Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. There's a lot of Christians that spend so much time with the television, listening to whoever your flavor of news source is, not being mindful, not being discerning, not realizing that Satan is deceiving nations. And so sometimes you talk to Christians and they've been so influenced by what they've heard from the news, what they've heard from the media, that that's what they believe. And sometimes you talk to Christians and they sound like they believe that more than they believe this. Don't lose sight of what is truth. As a Christian, Jesus and the Bible are to be your compasses. All other things must be judged against those two truths. Pastor Bill encourages you today to assess just what it is that you put your faith into. Do you put your faith in Jesus or do you put it in the fake prophets of the land? God's word is to be at your core. It's to be what you hold as truth and what you judge all claims of truth against. Be a skeptic to the news of the world, but a full-on believer of God's good news. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Revelation chapter 16 as he continues his message, Bowls of Judgment. Was it a sin to hit you back? Maybe, maybe not. If I can hit you without being mad, you know, I'm like singing worse, kumbaya, you know, I don't know. I don't know if I can pull that off, you know? So, so sometimes human justice, it can kind of get mixed in with sin because we're sinners. God's justice is perfect. It's holy. It's pure because he is. He is. That's who he is. And this angel says in the midst, because God's doing some pretty heavy things, loathsome sores. All the sea is blood. Now all the ocean, all the, all the ocean, all the, the springs of water have been turned into blood. And then he says, hey, you are righteous, O Lord, the one who is and was and is to come. Why are you righteous? This is what he says. Because you have judged these things. It was right for you to judge them. Here's the deal with God. For God is just, that's part of his nature and character, and God can't let people get away with anything. You guys know that? God can't let anything slide. Any sin ever been committed has got to be paid for because God is just. So if you're a believer, your sin was paid for where? On the cross. We're justified. God is just. He's taking care of our sin. He's satisfied the debt that our sin deserved because the wages of sin is what? Death. But what if you're a non-believer? Jesus is not Lord of your life. You've rejected his work on the cross and you're going about living and you're sinning. Well, God's like, man, it would be unjust if I just let you slide. You're not going to slide. You're not going to get away with it. But what if you get away with it the whole time you're living on earth? Anybody believe that people on earth have gotten away with murder? You better believe it. People have gotten, there are people that have murdered people and didn't get caught. There are people that murdered somebody and somebody else went to jail for it and they're free. And it looked like they got away with murder. But did they get away with murder? No, right? They got to die one day. They got to stand before the God, the judge, who sees and knows everything. Revelation says, that what is hell filled with? No liar, no murderer is going gonna, is gonna to find their place in the heaven, um, lest their sins have been forgiven. But if somebody just, you know, someone can get away with everything on earth, they can feel like, I did it. I got away. Nobody caught me. But one day you're going to stand before him who knows everything. and He's just. He cannot let it slide. It must be paid for these people on the earth have had their opportunity over and over and over again, and they would not have Jesus. And God is saying, well, now, in, in just, I'm a just God. I've got, a, I've got to pour out wrath. Wrath, I've got to judge you for your sins. And so this angel is just acknowledging because, God, you have judged all things. Verse 6, he says, 
Look at what they did. For they shed the blood of saints and prophets, and you giving them blood to drink, for it is their just due. The angel said, that's what they get, essentially. They killed your spokesmen. They killed your prophets, Lord. They killed believers, and now you've given them blood to drink. That's their just due. That's what they deserve. And then verse 7, it says, and I heard another from the altar saying, even so, Lord God, almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. Now, so, now you want to wonder, who is that speaking? It says, I heard another from the altar saying, you know, uh, even so, Lord, uh, almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. If you're taking notes or if you want to flip back, flip back to chapter six, verse nine. I'm going to show you who I believe is under the altar speaking here. Look at Revelation chapter six, verse nine. It says, when he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice saying, how long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth. Then a white robe was given to each of them, and it was said to them that they should rest a little while longer until both the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who would be killed as they were was completed. And so these are the tribulation saints. They're died. They're there. It says they're under the altar. Their souls are, are there before the Lord. And they're saying, when are you going to avenge our blood from those who killed us? And I believe here as we're in Revelation 16, that that's who's crying out this other voice from the altar saying, even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. And God is finally dealing with those who had killed these tribulation saints. Look at verse eight now, the fourth uh, bold judgment. It says, then the fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun and power was given to him to scorch men with fire. And men were scorched with great heat and they blasphemed the name of God who has power over these plagues. And they did not repent and give him glory. And so now God turns the sun up. Right. Um, right now, we live in a perfect condition. You guys know that in creation, God did everything perfectly. God hung the sun and just in the right place to where you guys know if we were any closer to the sun, we would burn. If it was any further away, we would freeze. That God just everything is exactly the way God wanted it to be. It needs to be. I know there's a lot of talk in our world about, you know, global warming. And, you know, if things keep going like this, if y'all keep throwing away your plastic stuff, it's going to burn us. Understand this. This, this. this should help you. Right. We're in the end. We're looking at the end of the book. They ain't been scorched yet. This happens in a day. This is in a moment where God says, you know, the, so people haven't burned up from global warming up until this point. So so don't worry about that. You're not going to be here for this. Right. This happens in one moment in one day where God says as a judgment, turn the heat up and the sun begins to scorch men. This is what you, you can't do anything about that. If the sun starts scorching, you can't get away. If God just turned up the heat to where, you know, just was going to scorch you. Just imagine that there's there's nowhere you could go to escape this. I want you to imagine the torture of being on earth and, you know, I've gone somewhere like Arizona and thought, who would choose to live here? Who would, who would just like hell practice? I'm just practicing for hell. I'm just trying to, trying to get some reps in, you know what I'm saying? Like, who would choose to live where it could be 117 at nighttime? You gotta be kidding me. You know, like that's just, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it, you know? I just, be, I just stand up in the morning and start sweating, you know? So I would never choose that, but there are places that are hot. Imagine that it's just turned up to 175. You don't have an air condition for that. It'll burn out. Just think about what that would be like. 
Everybody know how uncomfortable it is to be hot. Think about being that hot. And so it said that men were scorched with fire. The sun was so hot. It said the men were scorched with great heat. And look at how they responded. I would think that they would say, they would just finally bow the knee and say, God, sorry, please have mercy. But instead, it says that they blasphemed the name of God who has power over these plagues. And they did not repent or give him glory. So they weren't sorry. They didn't repent. Instead, they blasphemed. One of the books I was reading on this said this would be like if you had if you were spanking one of your children and while spanking them, they start cussing you out. It was not like they're already in trouble. You're already you're already delivering a discipline to them. And then they start cussing you out. In most cases, that's not going to get them less punishment. I know for me, I, I never cussed at my mom my entire life. But if I ever had a cuss at my mom, I wouldn't probably smile the same way I smile right now. You know, look different. So, I mean, imagine that God is already pouring out his wrath and then they're just blaspheming him to his face. And then they're not, it says it, it notes that they, they wouldn't repent and they wouldn't give him glory. It makes me wonder, what if they had repented and gave him the glory? What would God have done? It makes me wonder. I was having this conversation with a friend of mine last week. We were talking over these texts. And we all know the unpardonable sin is, you know, rejecting Christ all the way until you you die. But he was saying, well, what about the mark of the beast? Because most people believe that once you take the mark of the beast, that's it. You know, that that's it's a wrap. But he said, what if someone took the mark of the beast, but then they they wanted to repent later? Could they or would they? Would they be allowed to? Is there room for that? Not really questions I could answer, but it was just something that we were kind of pondering because None, so here's the thing. Nobody did. There's, there's no record of someone having taken the mark and then returning or coming back. It, it, it appears if you take that mark, that's kind of a wrap from that point. You know, we, we looked at that and we covered it. But here it says, but they didn't repent. And it just makes me wonder, what if they had repented? Uh, we don't know what God would have done because God has blown my mind elsewhere in Scripture uh, when people repent. We don't know what he would have done. We know they didn't repent, so it didn't happen. And I'll just say this to us. We're not in the tribulation period. Everybody listening to the sound of my voice, you can repent. And you got to count it a privilege to be able to repent. Because imagine that you're living at a time like this where you're just locked in. We can repent. Whatever you've done, however your life has been lived, you have today the opportunity to turn from sin to the Lord if you want to. And he would receive you and forgive you. And you could be saved. You could be forgiven of your sins. Um, They didn't repent and they didn't give God the glory. Verse 10 Now, the fifth bowl, it says, then the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast and his kingdom became full of darkness and they gnawed their tongues because of the pain. They blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores and did not repent of their deeds. And so now this angel pours out his bowl, but it's specific. It's on the throne of the beast and his kingdom. We were introduced uh, earlier in Revelation to the unholy trinity of the, the Antichrist, the false prophet, the, uh, the beast, and, and these three, just how, they, how they'll be used in the end times to deceive nations and to trick people. And so here he goes to the throne of the beast and pours out this bowl on his kingdom. And it's a kingdom of darkness, so it became full of darkness. And so, I don't know, most of us aren't, you know, maybe darkness doesn't seem like that bad of a thing to you, but if it just became all dark, midday. If right now it just became pitch dark and you couldn't see anything, um, that would be, that would have an impact on your life in addition to everything else that's gone on. They still got the open, nasty, stinky sores. 
They still got no water to drink. The sea is blood. They can't have no seafood. Um, the sun has scorched their skin. They all burned up. And now it goes dark on you. Now it's pitch dark. And it says they have pain that was so bad that they begin to gnaw their tongues. Now, I want you to think about this. Everybody here's had pain before. Anybody here ever hurt so bad that you bit your tongue? I bit my tongue and that hurt. Right. But I've never been in so much pain where I'm like, I'm going to bite my tongue to feel better. But it says that they were in such anguish and pain that they gnawed their tongues because of the pain. And again, rather than repent, they blaspheme the God of heaven because of the, their pains and their sores. And they did not repent of their deeds. Uh, verse 12, the sixth bowl, it says, then the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates and its water was dried up so that the way of the kings from the east might be prepared. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs coming out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are spirits of demons performing signs which go out to the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. And so all of what's speaking of here, we know later on in Revelation, there's going to be the battle of Armageddon. As this angel pours out his bowl, the great river Euphrates dries up and it makes a way for the kings of the east. This is where that battle is going to be. This is moving them down the direction where the battle of Armageddon will take place. Here's what's important. And I want you to catch this. It's, it's very important for us because this is a future event. But we're learning much as we're learning about God. God is exposing the devil as well. Um, Satan is the one that's empowered this, this group, the beast, the false prophet and the dragon, the, the devil. It's all been empowered by Satan. And so this is demons are coming out of their mouths. Um, these demons are enabling them to perform signs and wonders. And so they're they're using this. We know elsewhere in Scripture to deceive the nations to deceive people. And so one of the things that the enemy has always done is he doesn't necessarily, he deceives people, but it's, he's more concerned with deceiving at a large scale. He deceives nations. And later in Revelation, when Satan is bound for a thousand years, as soon as he's released, the first thing it says that he goes to do, he goes right to deceiving the nations again. So I want you to just stay with me for a minute, you guys. If Satan were going to deceive nations today, what would be his means? How how could Satan get a message to that would deceive an entire nation? Where might that message come through? Television. Right. So this is so important because I do believe that he's deceiving nations today. I am concerned for the church because there's a lot of Christians that spend so much time with the television, listening to whoever your flavor of news source is not being mindful, not being discerning, not realizing that Satan is deceiving nations. And so sometimes you talk to Christians and they've been so influenced by what they've heard from the news, what they've heard from the media, that that's what they believe. And sometimes you talk to Christians and they sound like they believe that more than they believe this. I'm not saying that we don't watch the news or we stay ignorant or unaware. I'm saying you need to be discerning. You're listening to primarily non-believers. You're listening to people that do not belong to God. They, they, they're free game to the devil. They can say whatever they want. You can't confirm it or deny it. How do you know? So when I'm listening to the news, I'm aware of that. I don't know if that's true or not. That's what they're saying. And I don't know why they're saying it. Why are they only showing me this? How come they're not showing that part? I don't know. But I know someone's in charge. Someone's in charge of 
what you see, how much of it you see, what they beat down your throat. I'm going to give you an example in our culture. And I'm not picking on homosexuals. I know that God loves everybody and his heart is to save them and to forgive them and to receive them. But you cannot miss this. If you watch TV regularly right now, there is not a show on TV where they haven't found a way to sneak in some, some homosexual stuff. I mean, every, any sitcom, any show, they have found a way, and it's always positive, always, always in a positive light. Who's in charge of that? We know God is not doing that. We know God is not shoving that down our throat. Someone's in charge of that. And so the more time you spend watching that, the more time your kids spend there, next thing you know, you're going to be defending it. You're going to be there. Well, I don't think I, you shouldn't be saying stuff about them because that, whoa, I'm just saying what he said about it. This haven't changed, fam. This is what God says about it. You saying something different. All I'm saying is this. Satan is deceiving nations. He's doing it here. He's doing it now. He, this is his means. Radio, television, uh, whatever gives him the loudest voice. Christians need to be way more discerning. Uh, and maybe some people need to turn it off. Some of y'all may, I mean, some people just keep it on all day in the car. You need to find some Christian stations, listen to some sermons, throw on some worship music. Some of us need, a, you, your Bible says that God wants to renew your mind, um, but you got to give him space to do so. You got to open up the word and turn on things that are going to edify and build you up. I think people need to be way more careful how much of that you're taking in and just receiving it and believing it and listening to it. Again, remember these are non-believers. They have motives. You don't know what they are. You're just a subject. And so as you take that in and you begin to believe it and then you begin to mimic it, then you begin to share it. And if you if you take them as authority, then you start speaking on it like it's an authoritative. How do you know? Right. Think about everything that we've heard on the news in the last three months, two months. I don't know. I, we, I don't know if what they're saying is true or not. And I can't know. So I got to listen to it lightly. I heard what they said. And then I go pray. Lord, lead me. Show me what to do. They're saying I'm praying. That's that's how we need to live our lives. Jesus is Lord. That means he's in charge. I mean, he's the one that's ordering you and telling you what to do. Be careful that the news isn't Lord. Be, be careful that there's not some television thing that it becomes Lord of your life where I'm doing what it says. You better be doing what the Bible says. Amen. I say all that in love. Again, back to our text here. Um, it was demonically inspired. These leaders were going out um, performing signs and so forth and so on. And they were using them to deceive people and prepare them for this battle of Armageddon. Notice that they were leading people into a battle against God. Be careful that you're not led into something that's against God. Don't ever be for something that's against God or for something that God's against. Make that a, a, a stance in your life. God, I will not be for something you're against. Will not do it. If God is against it, I'm against it. If God's not for it, I'm not for it. That needs to be the stance of the believer. I want to always be standing with God when this thing goes down. Uh, when everything blows up and everything goes wrong, I want to be standing with the Lord. And I'm, as a pastor, I'm saying to you guys, that's who you want to be standing with. That'll be the safe place to be is with God. Amen. And so moving on now, it says um, then God peeks in. And says this red letters, if you got a red letter Bible in verse 15, he says, behold, I am coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments. Least he walk naked and they see his shame. It's like God just peeks in as the angels are identifying what's going on. And God says, hey, I'm coming quickly. And he's encouraging those believers that are there to, to keep watching, stay pure 
that he's coming like a thief. He'll be there. No, they won't even see him when he comes. He's coming. He's going to come like a thief. Verse 16, and they gathered them together to the place called in Hebrew Armageddon. And again, this is preparation for a, a battle that's coming, the battle of Armageddon that many of us have heard about. Now, verse 17, the final bowl judgment. It says, then the seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air and a loud voice came out of the temple of heaven from the throne saying, it is done. So this is this angel's letting us know with, with this seventh bowl, this is bringing an end to these these bold judgments. Uh, this part of God's wrath is it's wrapped up in this final judgment. Verse 18. Then there were noises and thunderings and lightnings. And there was a great earthquake, such a mighty and great earthquake as has not occurred since men were on the earth. So there's an earthquake will happen now at this time in the tribulation period. That's worse than any earthquake that's ever happened in history of the world. And then it says in verse 19, now the great city was divided into three parts and the cities of the nations fell and great Babylon was remembered before God to give her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. In verse 19, when you see the phrase, the great city, and later on it says great Babylon, these are synonymous. These are the same place. Babylon in scripture represents the secular worldly system of people and institutions that oppose God. Babylon represents the secular worldly system of people and institutions opposed to God. And this is finally God's getting ready to bring it down to, to nothing. And so verse 20, then every island fled away and the mountains were not found and great hell from heaven fell upon men. Each hailstone about the weight of a talent, that's a hundred pounds, and men blasphemed God because of the plague of the hell, since the plague was exceedingly great. And so this final judgment, um, as it comes down, there's there's hailstones. I've only seen I've seen like I've seen it hell outside and be like little snow, little, little, little ice chiplets. I've seen in other parts of the world where it snowed and it looked like golf ball size hell that was denting up the cars. But at this point, imagine hell. and Each one is 100 pounds and they're just coming down, just smashing people and smashing stuff. And again, they don't repent. They blaspheme God because of the plague of the hell, since the plague was exceedingly great. Now, as we wrap this chapter up in, in every chapter of Revelation, what I've tried to do is tell us what is this revealing to you about Jesus? Right. The book is this book means the unveiling of Jesus Christ. What does a chapter like this unveil to me about Jesus? One thing is this. Would you agree that God's wrath is no joke? Right. It's no joke. God's, God's I mean, God's love is no joke, but God's wrath is no joke. How should that hit you and I? If we're here and we're believers, I hope this will motivate you to witness. Be a witness. Understand with people that don't know Christ that are they're going to come under the wrath of God, but he doesn't want to. He would rather save them. So I got to I got to be sharing Christ. I got to be sharing the gospel. It reveals to me about Jesus that, man, you don't want to you don't want to resist him and end up falling under his wrath. Um, I've seen throughout the book of Revelation, the fact that there are even tribulation saints that God is always leaving room for somebody to come in. If you want to be saved, God's all, there's always room for one more. And anybody listening today that would say, man, I need to get it right with the Lord. There's room for you. The Lord will receive you. He will forgive you. He's a merciful God. It's, he'd rather save you than judge you. And so if you would come to him for forgiveness today, I'm certain that he would receive you and forgive you. Lastly, and just, just to highlight that point that we covered, you know, the enemy is, is about deceiving the nations. And the way that we as believers refrain from deception is that we stay well acquainted with the truth and the truth is found in God's word. 
So we gotta judge everything else that we hear by the book. It means I gotta know the book. And I gotta be able to discern other things I'm hearing and judge them by what I've heard from the Lord in his book. That's all we have time for today on A Transforming Word. Pastor Bill has been teaching through the book of Revelation. This book touches on the people and the world being judged during the tribulation. Some may feel that with all that's happening in the world right now, that we're already there. However, there's more to come and that's why it's so important to know where you stand with God now. Don't delay a decision that you think you can put off because you have lots of time. The time is now. If you're not sure where to go or what to do and the things you're hearing from Revelation are causing you to be fearful, please let us know by giving us a call. We're here to give a listening ear and to answer any questions you might have about this teaching or about salvation. Call or send a text to 310-245-4811. That's 310-245-4811. If you prefer reaching us online, you can fill out the contact form on our website at Cal calvaryinglewood.org. If you're not already connected with a local church family, we'd like to invite you to join us this weekend at Calvary Chapel Inglewood. You can find all the information you need at our website, including service times, directions, and information about the church. You can even find links to stream our services or watch previous messages online. That website again is calvaryinglewood.org. Thanks for spending time with us today in the Word. Pastor Bill will share more about what God revealed to John in the book of Revelation next time on A Transforming Word.